in Jesus' name. But I get to preach today, and I am excited to do so. Got a, got a good topic here, and it's the word as a lifeline. And if there is something that I would like to be known for that I'm already, I think, a little bit known for is what? Read your Bible. Read it. Read your Bible. And in preparing for this message, I mean, I kind of already knew, but I read some alarming statistics. I'm not going to go through everything, but Americans don't read their Bibles. Let's just put it that way. Let's just say there's even an epidemic in the church today where a lot of Christians don't really read their Bibles. They only sometimes read them, or they read very little, or, you know, they only hear on Sundays a lot of the time. That's not okay. Right? Now, what I want to point out to you, everything that I'm going to be talking about today is in reinforcement of the Bible as a lifeline. Um, and I'm excited to do it, and it's not boring, but I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, pretty much everything that I'm saying today is just read your Bible. And I got really excited about that because it's just my motto, but at the same time, I was like, I hope they don't get bored. But then something I, I thought about is, the scripture, and it's just when it comes to our calling, when it comes to the faith that we have in the word of God itself, if you're bored with it, it's because you're boring, not because it's boring. And that's the truth. Our faith is not a boring faith. If you actually read the Bible and see what happened in the Bible and what he's called us to do, it's not boring. If we're bored with our faith or our personal relationship with the Lord, it's because we're bored. We're boring people. I'm not boring. Babe, I'm not boring, am I? Yes. All right. Still good. Don't be boring. God didn't call you to live a boring life. But there is danger in this life. And that's why we have got to have the word as our lifeline. And that's exactly what it is. So let's be practical about this. But let's start with uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. That's a supernatural, powerful statement. And is useful for teaching. Come on, that's good. We need teachers. We need to be taught. Rebuking. Hey, I said no. Come on, my little one-year-old is running around now, and he is getting into everything, and he knows no. And he disobeys me. He has got to be rebuked. Come on, corrected. Rebuking and correcting are the same but different. Sometimes you can be corrected not because you're being disobedient, but just because you didn't know. Bible's good for that. Come on. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. This is all scripture is God-breathed, and it's good for all of these things. Training in righteousness. Let me tell you something about training in righteousness. You were not created to be a bump on a log. As far as faith goes, when you got saved, God did not offer you salvation so that you could get saved and come to church and this be the extent of your relationship with God and the result of your faith is sitting in this seat on a Sunday morning. It's not. I said Tuesday night to our youth group, we talked about God calling us to be ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. You, you guys have callings. The Bible says so. 
You all have been chosen and called to be a part of the kingdom and to do your role, whatever that is. There, there's the macro, there's the big that we all have a specific words that we're supposed to be doing. And then there's the micro, specific things that only you can do because you're an individual that God has called to touch that coworker, that family member that I'll never meet. You with me? So you should be aiming towards something greater. There is always more. We serve the limitless God. So when he says training in righteousness, I hope you all have motivation to be more than what you are today. And you feel like that next year and the year after that and the year after that. We're going to keep going. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is a jam-packed couple of scriptures right there. But there is no good work that you cannot be thoroughly equipped by from the word of God. If you are nervous about entering any season in your life or taking on anything that you are going to walk through, you can and will be equipped from the word of God. The scripture is God-breathed so that every servant, servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I hope you view yourself as a servant of God. I said in first service, you're serving something. You are serving something. I'm not asking you if you're serving. I want to ask you what you're serving. Because what you do with your time and your energy, what you do with your money, what you do with your thought life, like it is serving some sort of agenda, selfish or not. Money, lust, the job. I don't know. You serve something with your time. I would like to think of myself as a servant of God. Not perfect. I'll never be perfect because I'm a human being. But I, I can call myself a servant of God. And if you think that way, you're going to do the things that a servant of God does. Amen? But let's keep going. The word itself is life. It is life. <laughs> I'm going to eat it. It's good. The word is life. I die if I don't eat. I'm going to eat life, and I'm not talking about the cereal. Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You will not be a successful Christian if you give your life to the Lord and declare that you have faith and then eat bread alone. Fact. In fact, you just made things worse on yourself. Harder. Because if you're not eating the word of God, if you're not eating what he's got for us, the real, the bread of life, then you're going to be attacked by the enemy and you're not going to have anything to sustain yourself with. What do you have an appetite for? What are you eating? What are you hungry for? Pizza. <laughs> That's true, but that's, that's junk food. We all know that. I love pizza. But it's the same thing supernaturally and spiritually. You can eat a lot of stuff that ain't going to do the trick. It's not going to be so healthy. It's not going to be so good for you. We're, we're, we're stepping into a desire thing. We're stepping into a what are you hungry for? My friend Ashton and I would always say, 
to the degree of hunger that you have, it is to that degree that you will be filled. How hungry you are determines how much you're going to eat. What you hunger for determines what you're going to eat. So what do you desire, people of God? What do you desire? If your flesh is really strong and in charge right now, like you're going to crave and commit to the things of the world, the flesh, the things that you struggle with. Things won't change if the diet doesn't change. We got people struggling with all sorts of sin habits, and we beat ourselves up. Man, we're not, we're not changing what we're eating to help make things better. We're beating ourselves up. It's like, well, what are you consuming? What are you eating? Jesus answered the devil with scripture. How can you if you don't have it in you? Jesus himself used the scripture. So I want to ask you, when you're confronted with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, like the Bible talks about, like Jesus was confronted with by the devil himself, how are you going to stand to those things? Because it's not going away. What are you going to do? You got to eat those things because sin wants you. It's not passive. It is not something that we stumble into. It wants you. It's painted in the scripture like this. Genesis 4-7, we're talking about the story of Cain and Abel here and what what God is bringing some, some correction and offering a way out. But he says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. He's painting this picture like a tiger waiting right on the other side of that door. Just think about his back legs down, his teeth are out, and his claws are out. And he's just waiting like I, it, it wants you. It's out to get you. Let me tell you something about the devil. The Bible says he roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He hates you, and he's good at it. He's been doing it for thousands of years. Him and his legions, they know what buttons to press. Where you're weak, where can I get you? It's not going away. The good news is you can fight it. When you know that an enemy is standing in certain areas, like you can avoid certain areas. Oh, he's right there. Let's use a little bit of critical thinking skills and go this way. Right? But let me tell you something. You're gonna, you are called to go through some of these doors where sin is waiting. Sin's at my work. I quit. No, no. You're a provider for your family. You've got a job. You're supposed to work. You've got to go through that door. But Aaron, sin is there. Yeah. But we're not powerless to those things. I don't yield to it. It doesn't consume me. It says I must rule over it. How will you do this? In Ephesians chapter 6, starting at about verse 10, what is that? Who knows what that is? Armor of God. Come on. You need to know this. This is like kindergarten, um, children's church learning type of a thing. You've got to have this hidden in your heart. Um, read it weekly. 
or daily if you have to, if you're really under attack. I mean, do whatever it is you got to do, but just know this. What's the helmet? Salvation. What's the breastplate? Come on, I'm going to live righteously. What's the belt? Truth. What's, what's guarding my shins and my feet? Gospel of peace. What's my shield? Faith. And what's my sword? You got to have your sword. You've got to be armed. Because that's another thing. If you know you're going to be in a fight and you can't avoid the enemy and they're coming at you with everything that they got, you should come with everything that you've got. Spiritually, you've got to get your sword and your brass knuckles and your pistol. I mean, whatever it is that you need to bring supernaturally to defeat the enemy. Because we just talked about this thing that is craving you. Who likes that feeling of being defeated by sin? Could you go there for a second and just feel like like what that feeling is when you're crushed, when you failed again? The addiction, the hurt, the wounds, like sin is death. Who wants to live in that? It's amazing how we don't fight with everything that we have. One of my points with the armor of God is you can have on some of the best armor ever, and we're going to a battle. But if you line up a whole bunch of soldiers that have a bunch of good armor and no weapons, and these guys don't have any armor but they've got weapons, who wins? Uh, The people with the weapons. The weapon wins the battle. When we developed airplanes and air warfare, that was the best weapon. If you dominate the skies... You dominate the ground. That's how it works. So you just, you got to be ready with those things. And what I want to tell you is there is no weapon greater than the word of God. And we got a lot of Christians and a lot of men who really struggle with uh, different sins, especially like sexual sin, but like any sort of sin, any sort of like anger or personality issues or like, People that are offensive or rude, or you tell me what sin it is in your life, people of God. And, and we work so hard to just like, I want to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to avoid. I'm going to do everything in my power to say no. But just saying no and avoidance only works so long. You get beat down by the job. He's going to keep wearing at you. The enemy's not going to stop. That's why you have to be aggressive. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Ha! You have to have your sword. Fight. Make the devil pay for wasting his time with you today. Or you're not going to get nothing here. I'm going to hit him first because he's, I know he's going to swing. Why don't I get the first hit in? Tybo monkey punched the devil in the throat. It's one of my favorite things. <clears throat> Pastor Ron gave me this awesome book to read. Uh, it's about spiritual disciplines. Um, and the author talks about going to the bush country in East Africa where him and three other guys, you know, they're very invested in this church that they want to help grow and flourish. And they're like, he paints this picture of these four guys in tents outside of a mud and sticks church like, real. And they don't have any Bibles. 
the only new preaching they hear is when new missionaries come every blue moon to share something that's in their heart, and it's very rarely a long trip. And uh, the, the pastor that was put over the church only has six sermons. So every sixth week, you're hearing the same sermon over and over and over, all year long. <clears throat> They've got no Bibles. They don't have the word. And he talked about they suffer morally. There is a moral deficiency in that culture, even in the, the church, so-called, in that area where adultery is happening and lying and stealing, like with the pastor and all sorts of things, like in the church among Christians. It's like you're not very Christian because they don't have the word. And so as they're leaving, he's just got this thing in his stomach. Number one, they last minute pitched in as much as they could, made some phone calls to get as many Bibles shipped to this one location as possible. So, And they just pray, God, let your, your word take root inside of them. Let it make a deep change on the inside of who these people are. Like, ch affect them in a real way. We thank you for the power of your word. And then he was just like so convicted by himself in America where it's like we have Bibles everywhere. Some of the statistics I read is like um, like three-fourths of Americans have a Bible in their home. And three-fourths of those Americans have up to three Bibles in their home. And it's like he said, it's one thing to be morally bankrupt and struggling when you don't have the truth and the word at your disposal when it's here. And it's another thing when you're morally struggling and really leaning hard when you have the Bible at your fingertips. Like, God, do we treat it like you want us to treat it? What are we hungry for? What am I arming myself with? We won't, we won't be able to stand before God and say, I don't know, what are you going to say? What excuse will I have? And will it, will, it, will it add up? We need spiritual discipline for Bible intake. There are all sorts of spiritual disciplines, disciplines that we need to have. I believe spiritual discipline in consuming the Bible is the most important one. You have got to have the word <clears throat> on your heart. Do you remember blind Bartimaeus at the end of Luke 18? God, help me. Jesus, son of David, blind man. There's almost like a procession going on, parade-like thing with all these people coming through. Jesus is entering. And the regular locals are like almost embarrassed of blind Bartimaeus. Like, come on, Bartimaeus, not today. Just, can you just be quiet? Jesus is here. And he shouts louder, Jesus, son of David. He's desperate. Help me, son of David, Jesus. Jesus hears him. End of the story, he gets healed. Jesus comes to him. We have Zacchaeus at the very beginning of the next chapter. What is going on? Who's this Jesus guy? He's a depraved man. He has to see him. He, so much so that he gets in a tree. And Jesus calls him out. I see you looking. I see you looking for something else. You know? And he gets saved, and he gets radically transformed. I, I've got three disciplines for Bible intake, and in, I want you to see this as ways to place yourself in the path of God's grace, like Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus. You need to be desperate, people of God. You need to be hungry for his word. 
you need to want this more than you want Netflix. <laughs> you got to want it more than you want anything else. If you're tired of the brokenness, if you're tired of like, he says, all who are thirsty. All who hunger and thirst, like, come to me. Come to me. This is a good way to put ourselves in the path of God's grace. Because if you think yourself better than Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus, be careful. So number one, hearing God's word. This is a good one. This is the easiest of the three, hearing God's word. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Who hear the word of God and obey it. How about through committed Sunday mornings? Right? You with me? Faithful attendance to church. That is a great start. For many of you, this is the only reprieve you have throughout the week. So I would encourage that this would be something that you are faithful and committed to. I have got to go hear the word of God. I need someone to speak truth over me. We need the worship. I need the word to hear it. Romans uh, ten seventeen says, consequently, faith. Do you need faith? I need faith. Regularly, I need like a, a vitamin C boost shot, like of faith. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And I and I I know you know I've been told like I can worship at the golf course, I can worship at the lake, I can worship in my home, we can worship anywhere, and I, that's true. You a hundred percent can. We can worship God everywhere we are, but there is something about hearing the word of God and being committed to the church and coming together. The Bible talks about not forsaking the fellowship of the brotherhood and the coming together of God's people. This is important. And it's not coincidence that we are doing this at the beginning of the week. There's something about saying, God, you're going to get the first, you're going to get my best. He honors these things. And this is a good way to start your week hearing the word of God, having something being spoken over you. And it requires no preparation on your part to hear. It's the easiest one. You come and listen and get rocked by the Holy Spirit. It's also good, like, to listen when you're driving. If you have one of the jobs where you can put headphones in, right? Scripture, sermons, worship, hear it, hear it, hear it. I want it in me. I want it in me. Uh, Number two, reading God's word. Come on, read your Bible. Read it. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. That's good. Devote yourself. What are you devoted to? What do you devote your time to? Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. That's one. That's another shout out to hearing and what we're doing here today. But to the public reading of Scripture, preaching, and teaching. To be devoted. And I just think, like, God, I don't. we don't use the lingo, like, devoted very often anymore. <clears throat> and what that means. I mean, the most times I hear devoted is, like, at a wedding. I'm going to devote myself to you. I'm going to devote myself to something that God has called me to. D.L. Moody said, A man can no more 
taken a supply of grace for the future, then he can eat enough for the next six months. Or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. You can't take a breath right now, one deep breath, and be good for a week. You are going to be passed out very soon. And I'll be laughing at you. I'll make sure you're okay first, but I'm going to laugh. You can't eat one meal today. You can eat as much as your stomach could possibly fit, but it will not be enough for the next six months of life. You will die. You will starve to death. Some of us have gotten these words from a sermon that we heard sometime, or maybe we finally read the Bible and like, wow, that really spoke to me, or like, I really got touched that Sunday morning, and it was just, just what you needed to hear. But then you've hung on to that one old dry thing for weeks after week after week. You never stayed consistent, and that's not how this works. That's not enough to sustain you forever. Again, we serve the limitless God, and he's got a lot to say about your life. So it's talking about the armor of God and having the sword and fighting. And uh, man, Pastor Ron wants to do everything in his power to contend for you and with you. To know what's going on in your life and to fight. And he will to the best of his ability. But let me just give a little example. I'm going to run down here like a pastor. I hear there's an attack going on in Lily's life and all the friends around her. And there's just, man, I want to stand here. I'm going to pray for you. I got my sword out. I'm just going to you know, like, get out of here, devil. Oh, the devil's attacking over here. I'm just going to run over here. Oh, my God. The devil's attacking my people. I'm okay. I'm okay. Bishop, Carol, I'm here. I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand with you. Ah, let's do this. Oh, no, they're in the back over there. I can't run over there. He's coming over here, too. I'm not going to waste my time running back there. But, <laughs> but there's this fight going on. And if there's multiple attacks going on in multiple fronts, how is pastor supposed to do that? I want to tell you it's not pastor's responsibility to do that. Pastor is going to do everything in his power to counsel you and to guide you. We've got elders who who are here to help counsel and lead and to stand with you. We want to work through problems. We want to teach as much as we can. But you need to know you are responsible for your relationship with Jesus Christ and eating the word of God to arm yourself. This body of people right here should not be a group of unarmed people. You have got to read your Bible to equip yourselves. I cannot stand it when I hear people say they left the church because I'm just not getting fed anymore. That is wrong. Are you a baby? Babies can't feed themselves. If you have been saved for any amount of time, you should be learning how to feed yourself. If you have a teenager that you are still spoon feeding, cringe much. Breakfast, breakfast time, Tommy. Let's eat some, some Cheerios. Thank you, Mommy. Ugh. Teenager. No, you better feed yourself. You better make your own eggs and get your own bowl of cereal. I got to do that for you. It's not pastor's job to have a relationship with God for you. He's got his own thing. You have got to feed yourself. You're not a baby. I'm not getting fed here anymore. It's because you're not feeding yourself. You've got to eat. Read your Bible. 
I've learned this. If any youth have come to youth group for more than a year, if you've come here for more than a year, you have heard the heartbeat of me. You have heard the heartbeat of Pastor Ron. He just bleeds reformation. He, but there are certain topics that are just like who he is, who God has created him to be. But that, that's going to come out. You're going to hear the same thing over and over. The thing is, like, you're supposed to be getting your own thing. You're supposed to be equipped to get other people to come in here and hear something new. And, like, man, arm yourself. Read the Bible. Read it. Blessed is the one, in Revelation 1-3 it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of his prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Blessed. You want to know those things, the things that are coming near? you got to read your Bible. you got to be in it to know what's going on. He's not trying to hide himself from you. His character is revealed in Scripture. There are things that he just says, this is who I am. And there are other things, like the more you start to put things together and you start to read in between the lines, just like, oh, things will come up in your life and the enemy will whisper something in your ear. And if you are read enough, you can say, no, that's not the character of God. I know he wouldn't say that about me or do that. That's not his nature. You can call the enemy when he's trying to be tricky. One of the most practical things I could tell you is to just make a plan for reading. Make a plan to get in your word. Um, I, I tell young people in our youth group a lot, like, first of all, any extracurricular reading of the Bible that you can do, do it. If you can't do it till later in the day, if you're doing it on your lunch break, if you're, whatever, just do it. Get it inside of you. But I would say be intentional about making a Bible reading plan. And I always say the best time to do it is in the morning. And here's why. Just like the manna that God produced supernaturally for us to have every morning. When God provided for his people when they're in the wilderness, every morning. My, my word, my grace, my mercy, it's rich and it's new every single morning. Remember, they couldn't take more than what they needed to eat, right? It spoiled. It was no good after that day. It's the same thing for you. There's just something about getting up early and having that time with God. Just saying, God, you get my best, you get my first. You're more important than this, 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 and this. Show him that you think that. Don't say it. Lip service only goes so far. Show him. He will reveal himself to you. And he'll give you something new every single morning. God, what do you want me to meditate on today? What am I taking with me to work? Here. Read your Bible. Make a plan. A lot of people are intimidated to get started, and they've struggled with this for like 10 years. But like another thing that I read in that statistic sheet was roughly, if you could spend five minutes a day reading the Bible, in three years you will have read the whole thing. Just five minutes a day. Five minutes is nothing. In 10 years you could have read the Bible more than twice. Three times. Cool. I mean, let alone if you spent 10, 15 minutes, God forbid, a half an hour Right? Reading the Bible. You just get it in you. Just start somewhere. Start getting his word in you. Don't be intimidated by it. It's a gift that he's given you. And then lastly, studying God's word. This is where people are really intimidated, though. To study. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. I'm not a, a ministry leader. That's okay. That doesn't matter. Really, I mean, to study what we're talking about here is showing any extra effort into trying to discern what God is speaking to you. 
books about the Bible. Read something else. Find more. One of the things I think is key to studying, if you don't know what you're doing, you just get a notebook and write things down as you read. This is what this verse spoke to me. You know, when you write things down and you take notes, I can't remember the figure. You're this many more times to likely remember it and to have it in you. The Bible says you should have the word of God written on your heart for the tough times, for facing the enemy. Yeah, this is all just me saying read your Bible. <laughs> Study it. Have it in you. Take th This is what I got out of this verse. <clears throat> I don't understand this. I need to ask pastor or my life group leader or this friend who has more experience than I do in the word. Amen? You should be learning things about God's word. There's something to it. It's more than just John 3.16. It's a lot more to the Bible. And the more you study it and you understand the culture and the times, the more you understand God's people back in the Old Testament and why it was the way it was, it paints a better picture of why things are the way they are. It, it all is, it coincides, it works together. 2 Timothy 4.13 says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. And that's a weird verse to pick. Just Paul, just like a random line of Paul talking in this letter. And this, he's in prison. And this is uh, the last of the New Testament letters that he's writing. Uh, bring my cloak and don't forget my... Uh, don't forget my scrolls and my, especially my parchments. He wanted a cloak to keep himself warm, but he most certainly wanted scripture. He wanted the law. He wanted the word of God. He wanted to be warmed up physically for his body, but I think he wanted to make sure that his heart, that his spirit stayed warm, that he could continue to recite and go over. And Paul is a man that already had the word in him. I mean, he was a master of the law when he was a terrible sinner let alone when he became someone who was building the church for Christ. <clears throat> Should we, could we be that passionate about getting his word inside of us at all time? R.C. Sproul said it painfully well. This hurts. Here then is the real problem of our negligence, and it's true, it's negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it is difficult to understand, not because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. I was talking with Chris before service about work ethic in America just in general, just in so many places. And laziness has crept into every area of our, of our life, including our spirituality and our faith. And we actually don't study God's word because I just don't have time or I don't really understand or I'm not a pastor. It's because we're lazy. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But we need to be honest with ourselves here. You've been given this gift of the Bible, all these books, all these resources, and it is the source of our life. It's everything. And we just don't study it. We're not that hungry. Um, uh, shout out to David Walton Jr. I want to do, man. He is incredible. He's in seventh grade, and he comes to our life groups on Monday nights. And uh, 
one of the things I find fascinating about him is he has such an in-depth understanding of things that he reads, and he's got to learn a lot like any seventh grader does. But he, we have an assignment every week. This is the book of the Bible that we're in. These are how many chapters you got to read. This is what we're going to talk about next Monday night. And I say, what do I say? Read your Bibles. Always guess that's the right answer. Read your Bibles. I asked him, did you read your Bible this week? Accountability is good. That's another tool that you need in your life. We go around and we point to people or people volunteer. And when David shares, man, he's just got, man, he, he read in between the lines. He speaks um, very eloquently. He, he, he doesn't sound like a seventh grader. Like, I'm like, man, you are getting things out of the word of God that, like, I'm trying to get high schoolers to get, let alone full-grown men <laughs> to read their Bibles and to get, I mean, the real depth. But the thing is, like, he's hungry for it. He wants it. He believes. Like, do you believe in this? More than, more than lip service. You know, he's got, he's got questions, and it's like there's always practical application. Uh, and what I feel he was sharing this to me in my life for was this, this area, this thing. God wants to speak to you about so many things. You, you know, studying the Bible comes with like meditating. Just meditate on the word that you read. Pray. Do you spend any time praying? God, speak to me about this. God, help me with this. Meditate and pray on the things that you read. It's that simple. It is to the degree of hunger that you have, it is to that degree that you will be filled. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want you to be lazy. I want you to be able to stand and fight the enemy everywhere you go. You have been called. We need to act like it. To read, to hear, to study the word of God. It's a resource for you. It's a resource. It's a lifeline. We die without the word of God. There's some more practical things. We have um, a website. Have you ever heard of Desiring God? John Piper. They have DesiringGod.org. You can search up in the search bar, Bible reading plan, and you will get some amazing Bible reading plans. If you don't know where to start, write that down. If you don't have the Version Bible app on your phone, you need to get that right now. It's free, and it's amazing, and there's so many different versions of the Bible. Um, and they have Bible reading plans on there, and like topical things. Look for topical things. I need to learn more about faith. Yeah, they got it. I want to read the Bible in this much of a time, or I want to learn about this or that, or just different. Like, oh, here's a six, week, six weeks Bible study on this one topic. Like, there's so many resources out there. Don't be afraid. Don't sit down if you don't know what you're doing and just like, I guess I'll start at Genesis. That is a bad plan. I will tell you that right now. If you have never read the Bible through, do not try and go all the way through the Old Testament and just grind through into the New Testament. That's not a good Bible reading plan. That's why we have Bible reading plans. You'll learn a lot of great stuff, and then you're just going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened, and I can't do this anymore. <clears throat> it's good. You need both. Both. Well, can you do this? Can you commit to being more faithful to reading your word? Can you, can you commit to arming yourself? It's serious. We make time for the things that we want to make time for. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. 
He carried the burden. He carried the weight of my sin on his back to the cross. He drug it. He was beat terribly, nailed to a cross, crown of thorns, beard ripped out, just terrible things just because he loves us so much. I don't ever want to stand before him and say, sorry, I didn't read my Bible because, sorry, I couldn't be in the fight because, like, man, if you keep that in your mind, remember we took communion today? Why do we take communion? To remember the cross and his blood. That's the elements, his flesh that was broken and his blood that was shed. You want to commune with him? You want to get close to him? Everything that we do, everything that we should partake in is based off of the word of God. He gave us the scripture, and it's free for us. It cost him everything. I want this in my life. You need this in your life. Will you read your Bible? Will you read your Bible? Will you make this part of your life? Stand up. I want to pray. I want to bless you. Father, we pray right now, God, that uh, we would, all of us, take more responsibility for our spiritual life and our walk with you, Lord. Lord, we love to be taught. We love to listen to pastor and all he has for us, God, and how you've called him to be his leader, God. But we do not hold him accountable to be our God, to have a relationship with you for me, God. We want to seek you on our own, Lord. We want to have a relationship with you. We want to get fed from the word, Jesus. God, help me to not be lazy, God. We don't want to be lazy Christians, Lord. God, I pray that you would um, encourage, fill your people with so much joy, God. Fill your people with so much life. Fill them with so much hope, Lord. Give us an insatiable appetite for your word. God, the world is trying to compete with you in every way that it can, Father. Help us to be desperate and hungry for the word more so than anything else. We want to feed our spirit, God, so that our flesh will weaken, Jesus. Let our, our spirit be on top. I just, I just pray that right now over you supernaturally where your flesh controls you and drives your time, drives your schedule, drives your desires. I just break that in Jesus' name. And I, I speak life into your spirits right now. Become the head, Lord. And I just pray that you would just, man, make us so hungry for the Bible. And in those desperate dark times where there is no one standing next to us, God, that you would be there, God, that the lifeline of your word would help us to make it through, Jesus, in the battle of the mind. We trust you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have an amazing week. We will see you soon. No no marriage class um, till February.